the swimming and boating, of course, in our area. We have a marina in Superior here. And then it started to snow, big flakes of snow, and they were rather wet. But still, toboggans are very popular. Old parts of car fenders and sticks and anything you could think of, you know. Midwest accent among the most difficult to understand for home smart devices. Uh, folks, this must be false because we don't have an accent in the Midwest. The news tells you what's happening now. But what about what happened then? Welcome to NBC15's new podcast, Making Wisconsin a History of the Badger State. I'm Gabriella Rusk. And I'm Charlie Shortino. Together, we'll take you through cultural and historical moments that have shaped our state and who we are. You just heard from several Wisconsinites, including Charlie Barons, a journalist, comedian, and clearly a Wisconsin native. His satirical YouTube show, Manitowoc Minute, exemplifies what it means to sound like you're from Wisconsin. Broadcasting alive from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, where lawnmowers double as snowblowers and residents consider moving somewhere warmer for the winter, like Alaska. This is the Manitowoc Minute. While not every Wisconsinite's accent is that extreme, there are definitely certain phrases and inflections that have made the accent recognizable. On this episode of Making Wisconsin, we break down the dats, dares, uftas, and whoops. Trying to understand exactly what makes someone sound like a Wisconsinite. The Wisconsin accent can sound different depending on where you're at in the state. To demonstrate that, or dat, we're going to play a small snippet in a second here of a short story, Arthur the Rat. As part of research for the Dictionary of American Regional English, researchers recorded Americans from all across the country reading this tale. The recordings taken between 1965 and 1990 are meant to document the variations in English dialect in the U.S. We put together sound from individuals across the state from as far north as Superior to Janesville, right here in our area. Take a listen, why don't ya? Once upon a time, there was a young rat who couldn't make up his mind. Whenever the other rats asked him if he would like to come out hunting with them, he would answer in a hoarse voice, I don't know. Uh, and when they said, would you rather stay inside? He wouldn't say yes or no either. He'd always shirk making a choice. So just how dialects are regional throughout the country, Wisconsin contains certain accents throughout the state. If you're from Wisconsin, you may know that your Northwoods friends speak a completely different language than the big city folk from Madison or Milwaukee. But as we'll soon hear, certain dialects and accents can be hard to distinguish within the state as the Wisconsin accent is ever-evolving. Later on in this episode, we sit down with linguist and UW professor Joe Salmons. He's an expert in American dialects and language in immigrants and in the Midwest. It's uh, only in the 60s that we really start having a lot of discussion of people saying, oh, uh, boy, uh, she sure had a strong Wisconsin accent. With him, we'll break down where expressions like whoop, 
come from and how Afghan refugees settling right here in Wisconsin can impact the way Wisconsinites speak English years from now. But first, why is English spoken differently across the country? Well, much of it comes down to our ancestry and historical patterns of immigration. Thousands of immigrants made their way to Wisconsin in the 19th century, but a lot of our lasting heritage came as the state saw its first waves of German immigrants in the 1840s, a boom that was preceded and followed by several other groups who made a home here. For decades, Wisconsin had the highest percentage of self-identified German Americans compared to any other state. According to the University of Wisconsin, it's a population that's still prevalent in the Dairyland today. Ah, don't you know. <laughs> As scores of people came to Wisconsin for countless reasons, immigrant communities began to shape and influence what we now know as Wisconsin culture, including an influence on the words we say and how we say them. So Gabrielle, where are you from? So this is always a tough question for me. My parents are from the Chicago area, but we moved to Florida when I was young. Actually, we spent two years living in London. So when I, I was- I totally detect the British accent. I had a British accent when he I was like not. four years old. Yes, I did. <laughs> but obviously I grew out of it because I was living in Chicago and then Florida. And then I went to Syracuse for school in New York. And then I worked in Iowa and now I'm here. So. I don't think I have an accent just because I've lived so many different places. So, so when did you move to Wisconsin? Three years ago. Okay, so you were old enough to know that. Yeah, did I was you old enough. Did you notice an accent when you moved here? You know, things that were spoken differently. I think it was less of an accent, but just words that people would say, like bubbler. I had never heard that before. Other words like that, like open, oofda, like I had never heard people not that they say it like all the time, but I had never heard people say that seriously. It's I, a joke. And I, and I think I agree with you. It's, it's hard for me because I live pretty much my entire life in, in Wisconsin. And, you know, when you're, when you're from somewhere, you don't really notice it as much. When I noticed it, and I think I grew up in Eau Claire, mm -hmm. which is west central Wisconsin. When I went to college, some of my best friends, and some of my best friends to this day, were from Sheboygan. Okay. And I believe Sheboygan is the center of the Wisconsin German dialect. And I really noticed when I came to college that they, they spoke completely differently yeah. than the way we spoke on the western side of the state. And, you know, a lot of these, you know, kind of cliche... Uh, sort of uh, dialects and, and words that are used from Wisconsin are German based. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just seem that way to me. And I, I really noticed it a lot when, when I went to college. And, and like, like use guys, for instance, I'd, I'd never heard of that. I mean, we used to say you guys, but I noticed when I went to college, though, my friends would say use guys, mm -hmm. use. And I was like, what is that? That's not right. <laughs> One thing I have noticed is my grandma has a, a condo up in Door County. I've been going there ever since I was young. And you can, I feel like it's not so much German-based up there. It's more Scandinavian, Norwegian. And so that accent, like when you go 
people who have lived there their whole life, like that Washington Island or, you know, those parts of Door County that are so remote, you can pick up an accent just a little bit thicker of a Wisconsin accent. It does sound different. Um, so I have noticed that when I've when I've traveled up there. And in northern Wisconsin, too, yeah, when you get into sure. the far northern part of the state up north, so to yeah. speak, uh, I, I can notice a difference in the way people speak uh, over the northern part of the state as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Let's turn to an expert for some answers on all of this. In this interview, we sit down with linguist and UW professor Joe Salmons. He breaks down the Wisconsin accent and its variations across the state. Yeah, so obviously you've heard a lot of voices in your time and in your research. Um, let's talk about Wisconsin, though, and the Wisconsin accent. I've been here for three years now, and to me, I don't think there is a Wisconsin accent um, until I go away for vacation and come back. So, I mean, what stands out to you about, about this and, uh, you know, what about it are you studying? So we're um, together with colleagues and, and graduate students and undergraduate students, we're studying almost every imaginable aspect of it. Here is the coolest single thing about English in Wisconsin. I asked in class one day about recognizing accents and played some uh, recordings made in the 1950s and 60s and some new recordings and just asked people, is this person from Wisconsin? And it was really clear that people could identify contemporary people as being from Wisconsin. They couldn't do that with recordings in the 50s and 60s. So that tells us it's new. Uh, then we did a, a systematic study with the, the, an undergraduate as the lead author, and it really turned out to be a very significant difference. So people can recognize a voice, a snippet of a normal voice, not with any kind of Charlie Barron's Manitowoc Minute. People are way better at recognizing those as Wisconsin accents. So we went to work listening to those recordings and looking at the recordings and taking everything we know about regional speech we could not find a single factor that really stood out. So you don't have to say dim over dare or yahe come here once or something for people to hear Wisconsin, but we can't identify what the features are that do it. We, we have an idea, and the idea is that it's a whole bunch of little tiny cues. So there was not like one overwhelming thing. So like if, if I started speaking Southern English, you would hear me say, I might have time today and that, that one thing of saying I instead of I would, would tell you that I'm a Southerner. Wisconsin, for a lot of speakers, is not like that. It's probably a sum of a bunch of different things. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there's also a variation. You mentioned, you know, Eastern Wisconsin. There seems to be that variation across our state, too. Is that just, you know, I think we forget how big our state is or just the many different influences our state has, too. Uh, absolutely. So we, we tend to think of linguistic things as having sharp boundaries, like there's some line north of that line, people say use and south of it, people say you or you guys or something. But of course, that's not the way it works. It's much more variable. It's uh, that you have higher concentrations in certain places than other places. We have those boundaries intuitively and we identify certain places with certain kinds of talk. A lot of people think of uh, the Sheboygan Manitowoc area as having particularly strong accents or northern Wisconsin, the Northwoods accent, and so forth. Um, and there are distinct areas, but they're sort of concentrations more than they are uh, that features get switched on and off. 
you know, if I go to London or I go traveling and I say I'm an American and I say, can you do an American accent? I feel like more often than not, someone is going to give me a country accent back or a Boston or New York accent. I don't think our colleagues abroad think of the Midwest accent, right, as something American. You know, why do you think that is? Do you think that just this part of the state has so many different dialects that it's not so central and so prominent? Part of it is how new it is. We looked in old newspapers and magazines and stuff for people talking about Wisconsin dialect or Wisconsin accent. And in the 19th century, people did it a lot. But what it meant in the 19th century was a German accent. And when people actually started talking about American English accents in Wisconsin, it was people were contrasting it with something that was a recognizable accent. So there's a story that was published in in newspapers in the 1930s about a guy from Green Bay going to Kentucky. And the whole thing is about how the Kentuckian has this super strong accent. And he says, as I said to him in the clearest possible Wisconsin accent. So Wisconsin English only gets talked about as a contrast to these other kinds that New England or the South or whatever. Uh, So it's uh, only in the 60s that we really start having a lot of discussion of people saying, oh, uh, boy, uh, she sure had a strong Wisconsin accent. So it's very, very recent and it's coming. And I think the word just hasn't filtered overseas maybe yet. Yeah, for sure. You know, let's talk about that that immigration aspect to this as well. Uh, German immigrants, you mentioned Norwegian immigrants as well. Um, I think that's very prominent. If you go you know, further north, you can see some of those settlements. Um, how does that influence a dialect? You know, is, is that maybe for our, our part of the state, one of the key influences? And I guess it, it, to go off of that as well, you know, how moving forward could other refugees like Afghan refugees coming here, how could their language influence our dialect as well? A long time ago, people thought, well, immigrants came and they just learned English and they lost their languages and that was that. We now know that if you look carefully, you can find traces of earlier languages in English that people speak. And there's a lot of that in Wisconsin. Some of the way that vowels are pronounced, uh, the um, uh, the dim dare for them and there uh, is probably connected to immigrant speech and things like Khmer once, that once is very clearly uh, uh, connected to immigration. And this happens with Uh, 19th century immigration, where people were forming communities, actually continued to speak those languages for generations. There are still Norwegian speakers and Swedish speakers and Dutch speakers and German speakers in the state today. So that really helps form the initial pieces of Wisconsin English. And what's happened since then is that we have more or less community norms. You have, if, if you grow up in Madison and your family comes from, say, South Asia or West Africa, what you're hearing is a Madison English. And people are still negotiating that. And they will still have traces of their heritage languages in their English speech and so on. But they really become very, very proficient, very, very fast in the kind of local norms. A lot of what's happening with newer languages and this holds for uh, Spanish and Hmong, and uh, it uh, holds for Somali in Western Wisconsin, and it's surely going to hold for uh, the Afghan refugees today, is a lot of the change that we see is in that 
heritage language, that community language that people had. So um, there will probably be distinct kinds of English that emerge in Afghan-American communities. And we've seen that. We're seeing that continue today. I guess this sort of goes hand in hand. I know things, expressions like op or ufta are not the same as speech, but they do go along with you know, a region and a dialect, you know, how do those things, I guess, even start? <laughs> those things are definitely part of speech. We even think about things like um and uh as part of speech in, in some sense. Uh, in the case of um, ufta, it's a Norwegianism. Uh, and we have a lot of stuff. You think about how many ways that we, uh, we greet people or say goodbye to people or say thank you or have those little expressions, sort of emotional expressions or things like that, that come from other languages. It's just normal to hear people use other languages for those purposes. And Ufta is just one that we had enough critical mass of Norwegians here uh, that it stuck. Even though a lot of contemporary Norwegians uh, don't, know the, don't know the phrase. Uh, so that one's, a, that, that one's fairly straightforward. The case of Ope is a really weird one. I don't know but there's a really interesting story out there floating around. If you think about the words yes or yeah and no, they're really short words. Uh, We use them a lot. And when you uh, really want to emphasize something, sometimes you add to it, right? You'll add more words or in this case, more sounds. And that is a story that some people tell about how we got yep or yup and nope, that we added that P to make it more emphatic. So are you, are you coming to dinner tonight? No, is different from, are you coming to dinner tonight? Nope. It's pretty complicated exactly how, but that's a piece of it. And so the story is that instead of just saying, oh, when something goes wrong, people added that same P to it. That sounds a little random and I could not prove it in a court of law, but it's a pretty plausible story. And I think one piece of it that makes it uh, more plausible is the fact that we have the same thing happening with well, right? You can say whelp. For me, at least, that's a very specific thing. You only say it to express disappointment, right? You don't say, whelp, things are going great. If something's going off the rails, you say whelp. It's this very weird thing. We, it's, a, it's a new way of forming words. And we only have, as far as I know, four of them right now. But um, uh, that is a, is a possible story about Ope. Okay. Well, before I let you go, and this has been so interesting, um, you know, where do you think the future is for language? Is it, is it these new words, these new phrases? Is it, um, I guess, specifically for the Wisconsin accent? You know, what do you think those trends are going to be in the next 10 to 20 years? That's a really cool question. It's one that I spend time thinking about. As they say, predictions are hard, especially about the future, uh, but it's a fun game to play. I think Wisconsin is going to continue to have more and more distinctive speech in 20 years. It will be easier to recognize a young Wisconsinite than it is today. And it will probably be easier to recognize regional differences. So when kids, you know, when first year students come to Madison uh, and start to meet each other, which is happening right now on campus, uh, it will be uh, more common for people to meet somebody new and say, oh, you're from La Crosse or you're from up north than it is today. They do that. It happens now. But I think it's going to get stronger and clearer over time. That's one thing. I think just in terms of other languages, 
I'm really curious what's going to happen with the more recent immigrant and refugee languages. Like you mentioned, the, the Afghan uh, folks who are just coming here um, and also the continued activity that there is. Hmong kids coming to campus still typically speak the language. And every semester I have students who grew up speaking Spanish at home, students who grew up speaking uh, languages of South Asia at home, Hindi or Urdu or something. And I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with those. They'll be around for sure. And I hope that they're sustained. I hope that uh, those communities continue to, to speak their languages and pass them on to kids. So there you have it. It's not quite clear what distinct sounds bring the Wisconsin accent to life. Despite that, Wisconsinites seem to recognize it in each other. And most importantly, the Badger State's accent is always evolving. And the way we speak English now may be entirely different than how it's spoken years from now. We want to give special thanks to Joe Salmons for his contributions, Dare Fieldworkers, and the UW Library for Sounds of Wisconsinites and their readings of Arthur the Rat, as well as spatial data analyst Dave Long and demographic specialist Dan Vierhoff for their research on immigration in Wisconsin. Finally, thank you to Charlie Behrens for the iconic sounds from his Manitowoc Minute YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Making Wisconsin, A History of the Badger State. Look out for upcoming episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Making Wisconsin, A History of the Badger State is hosted by Charlie Shortino and me, Gabriella Rusk. It's produced and edited by Vanessa Reza and Keegan Schlosser. It's overseen by Nick Viviani and Jessica Leshesky. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> a bagel. I would I would say a bagel as well. Of people I know, probably half say it as bagel. Bagel. I you say bagel as well. You can't get a good bagel in Wisconsin, so it doesn't But you can get a good bagel. <laughs> so Gabriella, when you moved here, did you have to get like specific help on how to pronounce some of the cities? Yes, I did. The hardest ones, Oconomowoc was hard for me, and um, Shano, because there's a W. And another syllable. Yeah, Anago, not Antigo. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like I was always taught in broadcast, you ask the weather guy how to say things. <laughs> Especially the old weather guy.